Could you please open your Bible to 2 Kings uh, chapter 5? I just wanted to let you know I, um, I spoke to Pastor Peter uh, from Lismore this afternoon. They celebrate their 13th church anniversary uh, today. And um, he wants to communicate his thanks to us as a church. We pray uh, for Lismore. And we've also uh, sent some financial aid uh, to them in light of all the floods that they had. Um, so, you know, they've had a lot of difficulties over the last three or so years. Uh, so the fact that they're still going is a testament to God's faithfulness. That's encouragement for us to continue praying uh, for other churches. Uh, so Second Kings chapter 5 uh, is our text. The title of the sermon is The Unnamed Maid, a Faithful Evangelist. You know, who was the most uh, influential person in your conversion? You know, for those of us uh, who are Christians, we all have a story to tell about how we become a believer. And each story, although different, is precious. And in most of our stories, there's a person or two who played a very significant role. If you were to ask Emma, my wife, she would talk about one particular person who loved her and cared for her. And this was over an extended period of time. And it was this that was used to bring Emma to the Lord. If you were to ask me that question, I would answer it was my dad. And it was the faithful preaching of Pastor Davies. That was the catalyst in my life. So in the story of God's grace at work in your life, who was the person or the people that were influential in you coming to Christ? If you were to ask Naaman that question, his answer would have been shocking. Naaman was an impressive figure. We learn from the text he was a military giant. He was the chief commander of the Syrian army. He was a great man, powerful, influential, respected. He's referred to as a mighty man in valor in verse 1. That's an esteemed title. It's like those who are in the Hall of Fame. Only the elite received this title. Men like Gideon, Jephthah, David, Jeroboam. And Naaman is the only Gentile with this title that is named specifically. He was elite. He's in the upper echelons of society. He's valued and esteemed by the king. He was in the top five most important men of Syria. Wealthy, influential, and yet it was a maid. Someone at the opposite end of the socioeconomic spectrum. One who had no influence. No prestige, no money. Okay, you don't get more polar opposites than Naaman and this maid. And yet it was her who was the influential person in Naaman following the Lord. The story of Naaman uh, is quite well known. Uh, I just want to rehearse it briefly in case you don't know it. Naaman had leprosy and there was no cure. So here is this mighty man, the one who had everything, and yet underneath his armor was a disease that would eventually take his life. And no doubt this weighed heavily on Naaman and his wife. No doubt they had tried many different medicines, all, all kinds of methods, but they had all failed. This was until a young lady spoke up. And she mentioned the prophet in Israel. 
She knew that Yahweh was with Elisha and she believed that her God was able to heal Naaman. So with the king's blessings and with large gifts in tow, if you look at verse 5, it talks about 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of raiment. Varying scholars estimate this could be worth a million dollars plus. Okay, this, this was huge. And Naaman set out for Israel. Now the king of Israel was not pleased to see Naaman because he assumed he was there to start another war. Okay, Syria was a number one enemy of Israel. But Elisha stepped in. Okay, Elisha is the prophet. And it's interesting that Elisha didn't speak to Naaman. And that would have been shocking for Naaman. You know, he was used to people bowing before him. And yet here's Elisha. He sent out his servants. Okay, and this is all about blasting away the hardened pride of Naaman, which becomes very obvious when he blows up at the proposed solution. Okay, what was the solution? Well, Elisha, through the servant, instructs him to immerse himself seven times in the Jordan River. Okay, go and immerse yourself seven times and you'll be cured. Now to Naaman, this sounded ludicrous because he was proud. And his reasoning was, well, why can't I use the waters in my homeland? Okay, the waters there are a lot nicer. And it was like Elisha said, I want you to go and dip yourself in the Parramatta River seven times. And like, no way, I'm going to Bondi. Okay, that's the idea. The waters are a lot nicer at Bondi. And Naaman, he was furious. He, he thought this guy was a joker. But his servants, they put their finger on the real issue. And they said to Naaman, Naaman, if he asked you to do something extravagant, you would have done it. Okay, if Elisha had have said, offer 5,000 sacrifices to the Lord, you would do it. If he had have said, I want you to give 10,000 pieces of gold, you would do it. Why don't you do what he says? Okay, they realized it was pride holding back this man. And with his pride smashed, he went into the Jordan, immersed himself seven times, and he was miraculously healed of his leprosy. Now it's important for us to understand that there's not some kind of magic power in the water, but it was God who healed him. And this was the moment that Naaman realized that the God of Israel was the one true and living God. This is recorded in verse 15. In New Testament language, we would say he was converted. And this whole account of Naaman is a vivid illustration of salvation. It's a wonderful picture. But instead of pulling out those cords, what I'd like to do is zoom in on the role of this young maid. Because without her, Naaman never gets healed. Without this little maid, we don't have this account. And I'd like to identify four lessons from her life and example that should both encourage and embolden you and I in our personal evangelism. Okay, four lessons from this young maid to encourage and embolden us in our personal evangelism. Okay, lesson number one, she didn't give up on the Lord despite her immense difficulties. It's very easy for you and I to miss the intense suffering that this young maid had endured in her life. Pause for a moment to think about it. Her dreams had been smashed. 
Her hopes of just having a normal life had been brutally snatched from her. She was stolen from her family, never to see them again. It's likely that some of her loved ones were slaughtered by those who captured her. Notice verse 2. It says, And the Syrians had gone out by companies, and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Okay, the Syrians had launched another attack on Israel. And as was often the case, they took prisoners. And one such prisoner was this young lady. Okay, she's taken from her home, snatched from her family. Can you picture her kicking and screaming? And she's dragged off to Damascus and enlisted in the slave market. Okay, that's terrible. This is intense suffering. Everybody that she loved, everything that she hoped for was taken. She's now a lowly servant in the house of Naaman. Now try and put yourself in her shoes. You know, in such a situation, how easy it would be to consume the poisonous ale of bitterness. For, for there to be a raging fire of anger burning within. For, for her to curse God. To, to shake her fist and scream out, Lord, why? Why are you doing this? What, what have I done? You know, if this is how you treat me, man, I'm through. I want nothing to do with you. God, how could you allow this to happen to me? And this, and the strangling grip of bitterness gets tighter and tighter. I think we can relate to that. And yet she doesn't take the bitterness pill. She doesn't become consumed with anger, but she continues to trust the Lord. The immense difficulties didn't drain her faith dry. She didn't give up on the Lord, even though her life would never be the same again. And no doubt, that had an impact on Naaman and his wife. Because understand, in Old Testament times, it was a common belief that when one had a military victory, it was a sign that their gods had defeated the opposition's gods. Okay, that's a commonly held belief. And then one would often forsake their gods. But not this young maid. Although very young, although she endured much, she remained steadfast in her faith. She still trusted the Lord. And that must have had a huge impact on those around her. And this is the same for us. When we respond well to the trials and troubles of life, when our faith is not drained but strengthened in difficulties, when our love for the Lord doesn't diminish but it increases despite calamities, that has an impact. That makes the world pay attention. Because often people think very similar to Satan. If you remember in the account with Job, he said that Job followed and loved the Lord because the Lord had blessed him and given him such a great life. But if that was taken away, okay, Job would no longer follow the Lord. He would forsake him. That was his rationale. And many people think the same way. And hence, that's a test for each of us. Okay? Are we fair weather followers of the Lord? Okay, when things are going well, when, when things are easy, when the Lord is blessing us, 
We love him, we follow him, we'll serve him. But when things don't work out according to plan, when things get hard, does our enthusiasm for the Lord wane? You know, we need to understand that we will have an impact on the world. The world will pay attention when, metaphorically speaking, we're battered and bruised, we'll be knocked down to the canvas and we're not sure if we can get back up. When tragedy strikes, when the calamities just rip through your life, but your faith in the Lord remains steadfast and even grows stronger, that will have an impact just like with this young maid. I read of a story where an elderly man in Africa made a confession just before he died. And he spoke about the first time that white missionaries had come to the land. And the elderly man explained that he and his people, that they didn't know whether to believe the message or not. So they devised a plan. And their plan was to slowly and secretly poison the missionaries and watch them die. Pretty drastic plan, quite twisted, but that was their plan. And, you know, one by one, children and adults became ill. They died and they were buried. But it was when the people saw how these missionaries died that they decided to believe their message. The missionaries never knew what was happening. They didn't know that they were being poisoned. They didn't know why they were dying, but their faith in the Lord remained. Okay? It stayed strong even in these great trials, even in these immense troubles. And it was this that convinced these people that the message was true. How you and I respond to the difficulties and suffering of life has a great apologetical value and evangelistic potential. That is the first lesson. The second lesson is that God often uses seemingly small and insignificant people and moments to bring individuals to himself. Now this maid was young. She was a servant. She wasn't highly educated. She was a stranger in a foreign land She was small and insignificant. She's what we would call a nobody. And yet the Lord used her to play a vital role in both the physical and spiritual healing of Naaman. He didn't use a famous prophet. He didn't use a famous priest. He didn't use a religious expert, but a lowly maid. And this is often how the Lord works. And this is encouraging for us. We we don't have to be highly educated. We don't need a degree in theology or a diploma in evangelism. We don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. We don't need to be famous. You don't need to be a certain age. You don't need to be of a certain social standing before the Lord can use you to have an impact on the lives of others. He can and he does use people like us. He can and he does use seemingly nothing moments to have a great impact on others. This is often how God works. Consider the situation of the maid. She was faithful in her day-to-day tasks. She served well in the house of Naaman. She was well thought of by Naaman's wife. 
This is why they listened to her when the opportunity arose to speak about the Lord. She'd been doing the little things well. And for us, in your job, in your studies, at school, how you treat your children, how you act at sports, ensure you have a good testimony. Do do everything to the best of your ability. Work hard. People notice. And doing things well gives you credibility when you have the chance to speak up just like this maid. So in the day-to-day moments, as you strive to live for the Lord in every moment, you never know the impact that it could be having on someone else. You never know who's watching you. I can guarantee you that people are watching. And often the Lord uses people like us. And he uses the small and insignificant things of life to have a real impact on others. And he uses them to bring people to himself. And we have the wonderful privilege to be instruments that God can use. And we can be used to have an eternal impact in the lives of others. God delights to use ordinary people like this maid. And people like you and me. Now, there was a missionary to Africa who told the story of an elderly lady who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and couldn't read or write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. Now, she went to the missionary and she asked for a copy of the Bible in French. And when she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red... And mark the page so she could easily find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do, so one day he followed her. In the afternoon, just before school went out, she made her way to the front door. And as the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. When he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. Then she would ask, do you know what this means? And tell him about Christ. And the missionary said that 24 of the schoolboys that the lady led to the Lord became pastors. So, you know, what an example of the Lord using small and frail vessels to accomplish great things. And I want to encourage you that the Lord can use you. The Lord can use even the small things in our life to accomplish great things. But in order to be used, you must be involved. You must be sharing the gospel. You must be living the gospel. But if you do that, the Lord can and will use you just like he used this maid. That's the second lesson. The third lesson is the maid loved others. The maid loved others. It's evident from the text that this young lady cared for her master. Now, how easy it would have been for her to listen to Naaman's wife pour out her heart about the disease that her husband has. She's pouring out her heart about the fears that this disease is going to end up killing her husband. And yet, she could just remain silent. And she could think to herself, well, Elisha, he could help. But I'm not telling her about that. Because they took me away from my family. Okay, they're they're, they're Syrians. They are Israel's enemy. In fact, Naaman, he was the leader of that attack. 
He destroyed my life. Why should I help him? And yet this was not her reaction. She cared for this lady, Naaman's wife, and perhaps even Naaman, and she cared enough to speak up about her God. If she remained silent, Naaman would have never been healed. And here's the lesson. If we love people, we will share the gospel with them when given the opportunity. If we truly love people, we'll share the gospel with them when we're given the opportunity. We, We will care enough to tell them the most important thing that they need to hear. And yet, on the other side of the coin, what does evangelistic silence say about us? You know, whether we like it or not, if we never share the gospel, that's undeniable evidence that we don't love others like we ought to. You know, imagine you're down at the beach and you're aware that there's a dangerous rip and you know there's been shark sightings and you just watch a group of people just run straight into the water and you give them no warning at all. That's incredibly callous. What then does it say about us if we fail to warn others about the eternal punishment that they have awaiting them if they don't come to Christ? And that hits me very hard. Perhaps it hits you hard as well. If we aren't sharing the gospel frequently, our hearts have become hardened and desensitized. And I think often when we talk about evangelism, we're often like, we need to know the greatest method. Okay, how do I do it? How do I do it? That has a place, but often it comes back to our desire comes back to a lack of love that's why we don't do it because we often lack care and compassion and you know may the lord work in our hearts and may we repent of any lack of love that may be evident and may the lord infuse within you and i okay a love for the souls outside of christ okay because this love it's that that motivates and drives evangelism may we care enough for others to share the good news with them That's lesson three. Lesson four, this maid had great faith in God. Now, this maid spoke up not only because she cared, but because she actually believed in her gods. She she had the faith that God was able to heal Naaman. She was confident that God could do it, so she spoke up. Again, how easy it would have been for her to think, well, I think God can heal Naaman, but if this doesn't work, I'm going to look silly and my master may be incredibly cross with me. I don't think it's worth taking that risk. I'll wait for another moment to speak up for the Lord. It's not difficult to see how she could have easily convinced herself to remain silent. Have you ever been there? You know you should speak up, but you know, we're masters at making excuses to stay silent. And yet this young maid, she didn't stay silent. She spoke up because she believed that God was able to help this man. And here's the lesson. The greater our faith in the transforming power of the gospel, the greater our confidence in the ability for God to save, the more we will speak up and share the gospel. You know, my friend, please understand that the gospel is powerful. Jesus is able to save. You're evidence of that. I'm evidence of that. 
The Apostle Paul, the great persecutor of the church, he was miraculously converted and become the main preacher of the church. John Newton, slave trader, miraculously converted and he penned amazing grace. Do we have the faith and confidence that the gospel is still powerful? That it can, that it does, that it will save sinners. Do we truly believe that? Because if we do, we will have the confidence to share it. Now, this is what this maid did. She shared what she knew. And I want you to notice that she doesn't have an impressive and robust systematic theology. She, she wasn't an expert of apologetics. She, she didn't know all the answers to the questions of the time. But what she did know is that her God is powerful and that he's able to heal Naaman. She knew that, she believed that, and she shared that. And for us, you know, we, we don't have to know everything. You don't have to be an expert in theology. You, you don't need to know all of the apologetical arguments. You don't need to have to be able to answer every single question. Okay, what we do need to do is share what we know. What do we know? Well, we know the gospel. Share that. Point people to Jesus. Okay, most of the time there's no point getting caught up in all of the weeds. Point them to Christ. We can do that and allow the Holy Spirit to work. My friend, may the Lord grow our confidence in the transforming power of the gospel. Because as that increases, we will share it with others. Okay, understand that the gospel is as powerful today as it's ever been before. Okay, the gospel has not lost its ability to save. Okay, God is not weaker today than he was 2,000 years ago. The gospel is still the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes Romans 1.16 is still true. And may we, like this maid, have great confidence in our God that he is able to save sinners. You know, this maid is a wonderful example of sharing her faith in the day-to-day -day moments of life. And as we go about life, may we be asking the Lord to present us with opportunities to share the gospel. When, when was the last time you asked for that? Lord, this week, please give me an opportunity to share the gospel. Because I, I'll tell you what, that's the type of prayer that God will answer. And then take the opportunities that come your way. We have the wonderful privilege of sharing the gospel. And God's entrusted that to us. And we're all to be involved. And God can use you to change someone's life. We can end up being that influential person in someone's testimony. We can play a role in them coming to Christ. How exciting. Imagine that you hear someone sharing the testimony from this pulpit and they say, you know, it was because Brendan shared the gospel with me and the Lord saved me. That, that would be wonderful to hear. And that's an opportunity that we all have. And with that in mind, let's go. Let, let's pray for opportunities and let's be an instrument that the Lord can use to rescue the perishing. You have a part to play. As do I. 
And it's a wonderful privilege. So let's go. Let's go as God's agents and shine the gospel lights. And by his grace, play a part in the conversion of sinners all for God's glory. That's the charge. We've all got an opportunity to do it this week. Share the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you uh, for this account recorded for us uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, I, I know this account is primarily uh, about Naaman, uh, but without the role of this young maid, there is no story of Naaman. So, Lord, thank you for what it has to teach us uh, about uh, evangelism. Lord, I pray you would give us opportunities uh, this week. May, may that be our heart's desire, that, that we want to share Christ Lord, please help us with this. We know this is the mission you've entrusted to us. Help us corporately. Help us as individuals, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.